in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 102 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. How are you? I am doing well. And uh, we're here on a Monday after the Giants played the Padres. And both teams were really hot heading into that series. And it was a clash of the Titans. And yay, this is going to be exciting. And the Padres scored more runs in the bottom of the first inning of the first game than the Giants scored all series. Whoops. Yeah, bring back that 2008 Giants offense. Woohoo. It's uh <laughs> it, it it was almost kind of kind of strange to see to see that after watching the Giants offense just completely bust out all year and be so consistent. Uh but I mean that just tells you that the Padres don't only have you know, the, the, the highest scoring offense in the National League, but they can pitch pretty well too. And you even saw in Sunday's doubleheader, uh, you know, Mike Clevenger, they add him, he goes the distance in game one, and then they've got all their bullpen weapons rested in game two. And, you know, I think that's the, the fact that the Giants really couldn't muster a lot of offense in the three games out of four they were able to play there. Uh, probably says more about the Padres than it does the Giants at this point. Yeah, I'm currently working on, you know, what's the difference between the Giants and the Padres, an article about that, and it's it's obvious stuff, but it just goes to show how much more the Giants need to do, and, and it's, it's a pretty steep hill, you know, because you think of the Padres as they finished in last place last year, they had a great farm system, and then suddenly they became this weaponized super team. Uh, maybe the Giants can do that next year, and I don't, maybe they can, maybe they can't, but it's got to take... It's going to take a lot. It's going to take uh, uh, them developing one of their super prospects into a superstar. It's going to take them figuring out how to go from, say, Kevin Gossman or Drew Smiley to the next level where it's a Lamette or a Paddock or even a Kyle Davies, uh, much less a Clevinger. I mean, they have a lot of work to do in order to get to where the Padres are. Yeah, and the Padres, I think, made some really nice aggressive moves to supplement what they've got going on, whether it was, you know, a year out or two years out, um, signing Eric Hosmer or, or Manny Machado, knowing that they would have those guys, you know, in place to help stabilize um, everything when some of these players did start coming up from the minors. And then they go out and they get a Clevenger, they get a Kyle Davies. I mean, those are really, really good pitchers and they went out and traded for them and, and made deals and gave up some of the prospects that weren't seen as key, uh, you know, key cogs. They haven't been afraid to trade, you know, the Trammels and the Uriuses and some of the guys who were, um, who were well regarded within their system uh, because they've got so many more that they like even better that they can hang on to. We haven't even seen Mackenzie Gore yet, and he's the best left-handed uh, pitching prospect in baseball. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it does underscore that the NL West is, it's almost like the Orioles in the in the AL East where you think, how, how, how are you supposed to compete with the Yankees and Red Sox? I mean, that's that's kind of where the Dodgers are, and it's where the Padres will be for the foreseeable future. But at least the Giants do have this talent wave coming, and they have you know what a payroll that can make some splashes here and there. They have the resources. I mean, if you're a team like the Diamondbacks and you just sold off 
uh, a bunch of pieces, and you're probably going to be really impacted by the revenue loss of, of the pandemic. Um, and you're looking at what you're going to compete with in the NLS for the foreseeable future. That's a really dire situation. I don't think that um, uh, at least the Giants can say, hey, we're not those guys. <laughs> right. And and I don't want to you know seem fatalistic or anything because I, the Giants are doing a lot of things that the Padres are doing, a lot of the good things where uh, the Padres, they scouted Zach Davies. They scouted uh, Jake Cronenworth before the season. They acquired them in offseason deals. And they did so because they said, aha, we think we can tweak this, adjust that, turn them into something maybe that their old teams didn't didn't know was in there. And I trust the Giants to do that. I trust the Giants in a post-Jostromsky era uh, to figure out which players they can tweak and adjust and, and kind of weaponize in that way. Uh, I also think that the Padres have done a, a really good job with some of their veterans, whether it's Eric Hosmer and trying to you know, re- rebuild him and make him someone who who can hit again, Will Myers. I think the Giants can do that sort of stuff. They can see what they have on hand and make their veterans better. Uh, so it's not hopeless. It's just those two things. It's it's that the pitching, that front line pitching and getting that that star performance from like a Luciano or an Elliot Ramos, figuring out how to do that is going to be key going forward. Yeah, totally. I, I think they've we all know they've got a lot invested in their farm system and in the success of those players that you highlighted and, and a few others as well. Um, and, and they're going to have to find a way, I think, to augment it with more pitching that they get from the outside world uh, because there's just less pitching in the pipeline than there are young hitters. Um, I think for for the Padres, for things to really go south for them, some of these big contracts are going to have to become total albatrosses. Whether you know Manny Machado becomes just a real slug on their payroll and, and, and isn't a productive big leaguer, or or Hosmer, or or like you said, they've got a little more time left with Myers. But that's not happening. I mean, Manny Machado is having a fantastic season uh, on both sides of the ball, and. Um, uh, you know, what's crazy is, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. didn't even have a, a super productive series against the Giants. And he's, you know, the, the MVP of the National League right now. And yet it still was quite evident uh, which was the better team. We'll be back right after this. There was a part of me that was really excited for this series because, uh, look, the Giants were hot. The Giants were really, really hot, and I thought it was a, kind of a show-me series. And it was just <laughs> you were shown a, a darker underbelly of what you had expected because the Padres are they're close to the Dodgers right now. I mean, we've seen a lot of both teams. And I think they match up pretty darn well with the Dodgers. And, you know, I think they're only maybe about two and a half back. And one of those teams is going to be the four seed in the National League playoff picture, (laughs) which means the last person I want to be is the five seed. So lose a few games if you're the five seed and maybe slip into the six seed or or even the seven seed and become a wild card and and, and take on like the Braves in the first round. I I do not think you want to mess with the Dodgers or Padres. Yeah. And, you know... the Giants didn't have a great weekend, but at the same time, um, neither did the Brewers. The Brewers got no hit. Um, you know, the Rockies are doing Rockies things. They, they've they lost, I think, five of their, la- their last six. Uh, so, you know, if it's a war of attrition, the Giants are winning that right now. And they're just happy to not see the Padres uh, for a little bit because that was... 
it was stark, especially after the Mariners series, because the, that had a similar dynamic insofar as the, the Mariners were coming in hot and the Giants were hot. And it's going to be a real test to see who stays hot. And it was the Giants. And, and you had that same feeling in a way. But the Padres are so far ahead of, of where the Mariners are and obviously where the Giants are. What's your take on, because obviously the, the big news that happened in San Diego is that the Giants had to postpone Friday night. And Saturday night, after Alex Dickerson had a positive COVID test, uh, and went through all the drama of that, realizing now it, it almost certainly was a false positive. He tested negative six times. Uh, we can get into a lot of <laughs> a lot of the stresses that he's dealing with personally. His wife is about to give birth to their first child. He doesn't know if he's going to be there uh, f- for that you know huge life moment. I mean, there's just a lot that these guys are dealing with. They basically are locked in their hotel rooms when they're not playing. I mean, there's just very little joy in this season. Um, And we don't see that because we only see them when they're on the field. But, you know, this is very jarring, I think, for all of them to be going through this. And, and, you know, they were able to squeeze in one of the two games uh, by playing a doubleheader Sunday. But, you know, obviously these seven-inning doubleheaders have not been so great for a a Giants team that is pretty good at late inning comebacks. I think they've they've scored one run in a total of four losses in seven inning doubleheaders to the the Dodgers and, and Padres. Yeah, they've outscored eighteen to one and out hit twenty eight to eleven. And there's going to be another one of these probably doubleheaders coming up in the last series of the season against the Padres in uh, in San Francisco to make up the other game if necessary. So yeah, just do you think that postponements and everything that those guys had to deal with, do you think that led to a little bit of a stopped momentum and leaked into into Sunday? It certainly could have. I mean, you don't want to blame everything because you're, you're mixing up the causation, the correlation, not sure where one begins, one one ends. But, you know, it didn't hurt the Padres would be the the stock answer. You know, if, if it's so harmful, how come the Padres were able to score, you know, six runs in the first? game. At the same time, the Giants really were swinging the bats well. And what's remarkable is that, like you said, they've been consistent. They haven't had these lulls in a while since that Dodgers doubleheader. And before that, it was a while before they strung together two stinkers in a row. So it couldn't have helped. You know, the postponement, just the sitting around and getting those hot bats cold again. There's no real home field advantage, you know, to playing at Oracle Park, even if it's going to be one of those weird situations where the Padres are the home team and batting last. The Giants aren't going to get support from a crowd. They're just, you know, I guess they'll sleep in their own bed and that would be the benefit. Yeah, there's not a lot of good that came out of that false positive. No, no, not at all. And, you know, it, it's it's just a tough situation for everyone because they were literally about to play. Johnny Cueto had already warmed up and, you know, the players were on the field and at the very last moment uh, came this information that, uh, from Alex Dickerson's test on Thursday it came back as, as a positive and he was shocked by it and he thought you know there's no way that this is accurate because I tested negative to get on the plane Wednesday um, you know that he's tested negative all along uh, everybody else on the team uh, tested negative and you think well gosh well this just tells you that the whole testing process is a sham and this is terrible but I mean they've MLB has done over a hundred thousand tests and there have been I think you can probably count on you know two hands the number of false positives that there have been and so I mean there is a margin of error there's always going to be a margin of error and um, you know it, you can't just make that not exist whatsoever and like Farhan Zaidi said you know there's no way for them to really know if hey, was there a contamination of the sample? And if so, did that happen on collection or in transit or at MLB's lab? 
But I think, you know, the, the good news is we saw what happens in real time when there is one of these crises. They got Dickerson in isolation right away. They did a rapid test on him. The Giants have their own rapid testing equipment that they travel with. The Padres uh, lent their rapid testing equipment to the Giants so they could get through everybody on the team uh, that night. Um, they tested Dickerson three different ways, saliva, nasal swab, and the PCR test at the hospital. Um, and, and like six or seven tests all came back negative. So, you know, they were able to get in Sunday's game and, and prevent what would have been a real mess in that final week of the season, um, you know, by, by just getting those tests out as fast as they could. And, and, and probably even more important, they just got some peace of mind uh, to, to the players and and especially Alex Dickerson and his pregnant wife, uh, Jennifer, because that was just such an ordeal for them, especially with everything that they're dealing with, you know, personally about to welcome a, a, a baby boy. That was just an amazingly difficult part of the story because I there was a rumor that it was Dickerson that was floating around, you know, as of Friday night. Uh, it was never quite confirmed until later on in the weekend that that's who had the positive test. Uh, but in between, there was, you know, speculation that uh, it was because Dickerson was hanging out with, with friends or breaking protocol in some way. And Dickerson pushed back pretty forcefully on that. And you would understand why, you know, he's not messing around with this stuff because he has his first kid coming any week now. And if there's anyone who would have a reason not to break protocol and get a little goofy with this it's dickerson yeah and not only that i mean it's that's the most important thing for sure and i think also what's important to him is that you know he's somebody who's looked upon as being a good clubhouse guy a loyal person a good teammate and you only needed to look at the guy who was pitching game one for the padres and who was basically run out of town with the indians mike clevenger uh to see that breaking protocol is really really uh, as very serious thing to level at somebody these days uh, because you're taking everyone's health and welfare and their families uh, and their livelihoods in, into your hands when you do that. And I think that, you know, that's why Alex Dickerson so forcefully pushed back at the USA Today report uh, that, you know, had, had an unnamed player who it said he told members of the Giants traveling party that he may have been infected by friends or family while in San Diego. And of course, we know Dickerson is from San Diego County and he's his family there. So, you know, once Dickerson was named in another uh, tweet by, by another verified account, um, I think it became very easy for people to connect the dots and assume that he had broken protocol and this was all his fault, yada, yada, yada. And that is absolutely false. And I think because of how much he values you know, obviously keeping his wife healthy, keeping their baby healthy, um, you know, just the fact that it would be so reckless of him um, as both a professional and a person to do that. Uh, he was really bothered by it. And uh, and to the point where they were really concerned that his wife would go into labor because of the stress early. And, uh, you know, that that that's the part that just makes you go, wow, that's that's just a lot for anybody to deal with. Yeah, as always, never read the comments, never go through Twitter replies, and because I never learn, I, I scrolled through a whole lot of Twitter conversations about this, and it's just so easy for everyone to, it, not everyone, but a, a certain subset of fan to just really think they know everything. 
And this was proof somehow that the Giants were screwing up their protocols. This was proof of something larger. And this is when, before we knew it was a false positive, it was like, well, the team is doing this wrong or, you know, Dickerson was doing this wrong. And that sucks, uh, especially because Kevin Gossman was on record saying, I didn't want to get traded specifically because I trust my teammates. I trust this organization. I, I really trust how they've been handling this whole COVID protocol. Uh, I don't want to go anywhere to another team with other teammates who might be pulling a Mike Clevenger. That that didn't appeal to him at all. Yeah. And you want to speculate, you know, oh, who is it? What happened? You know, how did they screw up? Oh, well, Justin Smoke just joined the team. He just flew commercial from South Carolina. Must be him, you know, and, and that's. Right just not fair. It's not fair to anybody. Um, and, and you know what? I, I give Alex Dickerson just a ton of credit because, you know, he he gave the Giants permission to, you know, they didn't have to say who, who it was that tested positive at all. Um, but he gave them permission to speak about it. And then he, he joined reporters on a Zoom call, made his statement, and then took questions. And and even before he took questions, he, he addressed us as, as reporters. Um, and he said, you know, I, I really respect the, the work that you guys put in to get to the positions that you're at. Um, you know, I realize it cannot be an easy job at times. And I really appreciate everyone who, who does it with integrity and, and, and who does it in a, in a fair way. Um, he could have totally just been reductive and be like, ah, screw the media. They screwed me over. You know, I can never trust them. But, you know, he, he, he didn't do that because he's a thoughtful person. You know, he's not somebody who's going to just say, you know, oh, you know, uh, all the reporters uh, should just, you know, go to the bottom of the ocean or something like that. He, he's, I appreciate that because I think it's very easy to have a bad experience with anybody, whether it's a member of the media or a politician or a lawyer or, and then just, you know, basically throw an entire profession under the bus. And, and, and so I give him credit for, for being nuanced and, and for not being reductive. Absolutely. Just a, just a terrible situation for him. I mean, you, once he gets information that he's the one who tested positive, his brain's got to be going a million miles an hour. He's, he's got to be wondering, you know, he, he thinks it's a mistake. Because, for example, if I were to test positive... I would go, no, that that can't be because I, I have people load groceries into my trunk at Safeway. I don't go out. I don't see people or anything or have any variety of fun. Like, I just, it wouldn't make any sense. And and that's sort of the vibe I got from him is, is that, no, there, there just can't be a way that I'm the only one on this team to test positive. Yeah, but there's still that little doubt, right? I mean, it, it has to be there. Right. It's, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're racking your brain to think, you know, where... Where could I have gone wrong? And you think, well, I, I, I didn't go wrong. I, I, this has to be a mistake. And yeah, it, you can totally paralyze yourself and, and just you know, process and process and process. And, and that's, that's you know, where I think it's, I'm learning a lot as just a person about the, the value of, of being resilient. And it's not easy. And there's a lot of times I wish that I had more resiliency to not, you know, wallow at times and not, you know, sort of be frozen by, you know, things that I can't control or, or things that make me anxious. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, this is a rough time to, to sort of have a positive outlook. But, you know, I think maybe we're all learning a little bit about what it means to be resilient. We are all learning a lot of stuff right now. Now, Friday night, you're just so the listeners are, are clear, you're not traveling with the team. Uh, I don't think, is there anyone traveling with the, the Giants, a, a writer? I, I don't know of 
inning? No, I, I think the very first series at Dodger Stadium, there were a couple of reporters who went. I know the Chronicle had a reporter there. KNBR had a reporter there. And, you know, I thought about it. I thought about driving down just because it's the, it was the first game with no fans. And just to set the scene, there would be some value in, in being there. Um, but, you know, in terms of access, it's all the same, whether we're on site or not, it's all going to be on, you know, uh, pre and post game zoom calls. So, and then whatever you can get by, you know, texting or calling, you know, players or coaches who, who you happen to have their numbers or have a relationship with that can talk to you one-on-one. But, um, you know, for the most part, there's just not a lot of advantage to being on site. And, and in fact, with, with the air quality being so bad in the Bay area, I haven't even been on site for a lot of the home games. I've covered them from, you know, from home and watching them on TV and, and, and participating in the, uh, the conferences on Zoom and, and just writing that way. So, I mean, of course it's not ideal, but nothing really is these days. So, um, and, you know, if they make the playoffs and they go to Texas, I, I can't imagine that I would cover them from on-site either. I don't know if any other reporters would. But since that opening series at Dodger Stadium, I'm, I'm fairly certain that um, none of the other beat writers have been on-site for any of the road games. And, and really, aside from that first Giants series against the Padres when Kevin Acey from uh, the San Diego Union-Tribune was, was at Oracle Park, um, I haven't seen any visiting writers uh, at Giants home games for the ones I've been to either. So, um, but there are some who are who are traveling. There are some who are, um, you know, staffing more than home games. And uh, I guess everyone's just got to make their individual decisions on what they value and, and what they deem a risk. We'll take a quick timeout and be back after this. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. So you were watching from, were you watching on Friday night and trying to scramble and figure out like, what, what was that experience like? Is there anything you can share about that? Uh, just, just the surreal aspect of, okay, there's news happening there. Like, how, how do I figure this out? Would, do you have anything to share? Yeah, I was sort of, I mean, I was, I was watching and trying to figure out what was happening and I was texting to try to get some information. It was pretty clear that with Scott Harris on the field, that this was a positive test, 
uh, and, and probably involved the Giants and not the Padres. Um, we've got this guy, I don't know if you've heard his, his name, Ken Rosenthal, who works with us. He, <laughs> he, he has some pretty good connections. So, so we were communicating back and forth about what was happening. Um, I will say that I was actually off on, on Friday and Steve Berman was kind of responsible for Giants coverage that day. So Steve and I were communicating and I was passing along anything I was hearing to him. And he kind of took the reins from there and wrote wrote what he wrote for our site. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it had to be very unnerving for everybody. They're about, they're ready to go. They're ready to start a game and then whoops, nope, we're not going to be playing baseball today. Yeah. It was bizarre because at one point I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm going Zapruder film over who's on the field. Cause then I'm assuming, well, that, you know, it's not Cueto cause I see him and I'm trying to go through and it's, it's not that coach. It's not this coach. And at this point, you're not sure if it's someone with the traveling party and it, you know, it, it it's not this guy and that guy. Like it was, that's all, that's all I could do. You know, there was nothing. It was just looking at Twitter, staring at Twitter, uh, constantly just like going to different reporters' pages and refreshing. And it was the strangest thing. It was just a very, very 2020 experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I've, I've done that numerous times as well when they had their workouts, um, you know, from the, the, the rebooted sort of spring training there uh, in early July. You know, Maria Guardado and I uh, from MLB.com would would stand on the arcade and and watch uh, with our binoculars and, and st- start counting as players were arriving. Okay, who's that? Oh no, the guy's got a mask on. Oh no, she, oh he's not wearing a uniform. Oh, he's got a top over his uniform, so there's no number. You know, um, and she was like, oh that's that's Rob Brantley. I'm like, how do you know? She was a savant. She she picked people out with like sunglasses and hats and masks on. I'm like, how do you know who that is? Um, but yeah, we were doing that too because we wanted to try to figure out okay who's that person made it through intake testing that person made it through intake testing and where's billy hamilton oh we don't see billy hamilton uh where's uh luis madero oh we don't see him and 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 they're not you know releasing the information to us so you kind of have to sleuth it on your own all right well let's move on to the state of the giants right now in in that kevin gossman there's a big question mark uh, above him, which is a real shame, considering that Drew Smiley just sort of kicked down the door and, and said, "Aha, I'm back," and and that was really exciting. But now Gossman's got some some elbow tenderness. Uh, you have Justin Smoke as the DH now, and it makes you kind of realize that we just aren't seeing Austin Slater anymore. So so that can't be going well right now. Um, where are the Giants right now? Are they? heading in an upward trajectory or is, is is there a little bit of a stall coming for them uh well they they headed from san diego to seattle so they're 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 pointed north i suppose um <laughs> but, uh, dad joke uh so um no you know what it it was i think the results aside it was just a really really rough weekend for the giants not just the positive covid test but as you mentioned we're 25 minutes into the podcast and we haven't talked about the fact that probably their most dominant starter starting pitcher might not throw another pitch um and you know ask gabe kapler what's your level of concern he's like well yeah he's he's our best starting pitcher and he's going for an mri so yeah i'm concerned and they did think that he was going to be okay to make a start sunday as late as when he woke up Sunday morning. Uh, they thought that the tenderness in his elbow from playing catch was maybe something mild, but you know, then obviously it was still there. So um, it, it sounds like this was more than a precautionary scratch, and we'll know more when there's an MRI result to review. Uh, you just hope that that the guy is going to be okay, and this is not like a Tommy John situation, because he was really poised uh, to arrive as, as a pitcher and somebody who uh, you know could really carve out a really nice career for himself and, and put himself in a good position to make some money too. So 
Um, you know, it, it, it is going to be tough for the Giants to, to come back from a loss like that. I think there's a reason he wasn't traded. It's, there's no way that they could justify trading a Kevin Gossman and saying that we didn't substantially weaken our team. And now they could lose him anyway. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's <laughs> that's kind of a, a gut punch right there. It is. And he's just had a very strange career because when he came up with the Orioles, he was a can't-miss prospect. He, he had the stuff. He had the minor league numbers. And, you know, he was fine at first, but the Orioles, it's just a weird organization and and they couldn't polish him in the way that that he needed to be polished. And then he finally gets out and he goes to the Braves and his ERA, I think, was in the 2287 ERA in 2018 after joining the Braves. And it's like, hi, once you get him out of the clutches of the Orioles, he, he's back. He's he's the, the weaponized pitcher that he was always going to be. And then the next year, he has just a disastrous start in of 2019 with the Braves. Just 16 miserable starts. Uh, they just wave him. They, they don't even bother they're trading him and then he gets with the reds and he kind of claws his way back and maybe his futures in the bullpen he has this wicked strikeout rate out of the bullpen and you're thinking finally and then this season that finally has an exclamation point on on it you know this is this is the guy going forward who's going to live up to his potential and mri like it's it's just i i feel for the guy yeah i mean it's it's like pablo sandoval always says it's part of the game you know it, it's it's an unfortunate part of the game but um, I mean, there's just so much that goes into timing um, and opportunity and health, and it all has to dovetail. Um, and and a lot of times it does, and a lot of times it, it really doesn't. And a lot of times it, it tantalizingly looks like it will, and, and then it won't. So you just have to hope that he's going to be okay, and it's not going to be something major. Um, but uh, either way, I, I think in the short term, uh, it's probably going to be tough for the Giants to be optimistic that they can rely on him anytime soon. We'll be back right after this. Hi, I'm the Athletics Joe Posnanski uh, for Indochino. You know, finding clothes that fit you just right can be incredibly challenging, especially for somebody like me who has uh, a body type I would call um, dumpy. It's tough to find anything that fits right. You know, I'm not really a large. I'm not really an extra large. I'm not really a double extra large. I'm not really anything. So it's obviously, it's fantastic. You go to Indochino, they have you uh, go through this entire fitting process where you give them basically every single bit of information that you have about yourself. Uh, you have every measurement you have, uh, who your favorite beetle is, uh, you know, what what uh, you believe about the infield fly rule. And uh, and then you come out and and they're, they're going to send you uh, clothes that are uh, that fit you really better than anything you could possibly get in the store. It's it's fantastic. Uh, with Indochino, you get custom fitted suits, coats, casual wear uh, at surprisingly affordable prices. Customize everything from the fabric and lining to the lapel shape and uh, monogram if you're a monogram kind of person. Uh, if you're getting married, Indochino is a no-brainer for you and your groomsmen. Forget about the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everyone a tailored fit. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code JOE at check. Look at that, JOE. It's for me. Joe at checkout. That's super easy to remember. You go to Indochino.com and the promo code is Joe. I mean, it's just rough that the Giants are going to be without Gossman indefinitely. I mean, Drew Smiley's performance makes 
makes it like a, it's a tiny silver lining because when he came out in relief uh, on what was that Thursday, uh, he looked like a warlock. You know, he was just mis- pumping 95 miles per hour on, on both sides of the plate. Um, that was exciting. So if there is a silver lining, it's that maybe Drew Smiley can become that weaponized ace that the Giants are looking for. Yeah, eight strikeouts in four relief innings, the most strikeouts by a Giants reliever since Scott Gareltz in 1984, a game where he came in the first inning after Mark Davis had faced four batters and then went eight innings after that. So uh, maybe a game that, that you may have attended possibly, potentially. It could have been. It could have been. Uh, you know, Scotty Gareltz is one of those pitchers I wish that there were more uh, video of because back then, guys weren't didn't have a strikeout rate like that. Guys weren't missing bats like that back then. Uh, and I was too young to really know what Gareltz threw. I, I believe it's a split finger. So he had a, a fastball split combination like a lot of the Giants in the Roger Craig era. Um, but I don't remember it, and I wish I did. I wish I could go to MLB.com and punch in Scott Gareltz and and watch video of him making hitters look silly. Uh, but we don't have that quite yet. And I, I cannot wait to, to go back to like the early days of Atlee Hammaker and figure out how he was missing so many bats. So you know what I really enjoy about the early to mid 80s? Uh, are the glasses, especially the half-tinted glasses, <laughs> because they look so dorky. And 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 now I, I watch like the Padres, and half the Padres were wearing those like wraparound goggles. They look like they were about to hit the ski slopes or something. I mean, they 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 got some style with those yellow belts and the yellow uh, glasses. Jerickson Profar, man, he looked like he was uh, um, about ready to hit the town. I mean, they they have some swagger and some style. And I just wonder if like 20 years from now we're going to be looking at that being like oh my goodness look at those ridiculous outfits i don't know i think that they may actually age pretty well uh, at least age be- better than uh you know those uh, 1980s big giant you know grandma glasses uh, that that you know that are half tinted yeah it is uh I, i'm trying to see if you could if you can search for grant brisby scott Gareltz, uh because on the internet somewhere is a picture of us together. And, oh, it is. It's, it's the second result. It was on McCovey Chronicles. <laughs> what is the first was, result? <laughs> <laughs> the first result was, uh, uh, let's see, it was a, tw- a tweet I did, and it was uh, about guys with glasses. <laughs> but this one, this one, it looks like Scott Gareltz is being visited by a time traveler, a version of himself, because I have these big honking 80s glasses. He's got these big honking 80s glasses. The only difference is I can't grow a mustache back then uh it just looks it's pretty it's pretty funny i look like his son Um, i I was gonna say do we need to do a paternity test here this is this is a little creepy (laughs) so i i know exactly what you mean by big 80s glasses energy because buddy i had it too nice nice all right well this has been episode 102 of the bags and brisby podcast thank you so much for listening thanks to tanika smothers for producing us we will be back on thursday another off day and we'll be able to talk about what the giants did against the mariners who are most certainly not the padres thanks for listening